Good morning, everybody. So great to be here with you. Thank you, Caleb. Super excited to be here. Feeling good. Um, you know, uh, this is, it is always a blessing for me to come and be with my family. You are a part of our family at One Chapel, and it's so fun to see old friends and new friends. And I just want to say a couple things before I get started here. One thing about Team One, you know, every team needs help. There, what we want is every team to be healthy enough where there's rotation and balance in people's lives. That's what we believe about how church works, is we serve as part of who we are. It's just part of the life that God gives us. And I believe that being on a team is one of these things, when you decide you're going to serve somebody else, it's one of the things that makes you more like Jesus. And so I just think it's a powerful step. I know it's hard to take. I understand life is full and life is busy, but I just wanna encourage you, find a team to serve on. If we all serve together, everybody can serve in a healthy way and a balanced way. And I wanna recognize, uh, you know, on team, uh, we had Team One Appreciation Banquet on Friday night, and uh, you saw Travis, you know, he was speaking there. It was awesome, so good. Travis Makishan got an award on Friday night. It was called, as I, as I recall, the MacGyver Award. And the MacGyver Award is something that means no matter what's necessary, he makes it happen. <laughs> if he has to put it together with string and a nail and a piece of Velcro, he'll make it happen. And I just appreciate all your service, Travis, and how much you've meant to this community. And, um, and, and, and I just want to say, all of this family, I just love you so much. I want to say how much I love these two people right here. We've known each other for about a year and a half, maybe, getting close to that. And, um, and I just want to say what a pleasure it is to run the race with you. Um, I, I trust these guys. I believe in them. I believe in their leadership. I believe in their calling. I see it on display, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week as we're working together. And I'm so grateful to have partners to run with that I can just, just tr entrust my life to and that they'll entrust their life to me. And it's a powerful thing, and I'm so grateful. But you guys need to realize they are in their, they just passed their first year as campus pastors at Lake Travis. And there is nothing harder than the first two years of anything. So they need your prayers. And I just felt led to have us pray over you. Can we do that? Would you guys just stand up right now? Just stand up, stretch your hands out as a sign of your prayers. And Father, we just thank you for this couple. We thank you for the calling, their story that's on display among us. The gifts that you've placed in them. And they've got a story that, that has all these elements and you brought them to this moment for the intersection of our families and, and the intersection of your family, God, that you want to do something powerful in them and through them. We believe that. They're our leaders. They are our uh, shepherd. And so we thank you for giving them to us so that we could receive from them. And we just, as a group, as a family, as a church body, we say yes to what you're doing. Yes to what you're saying. Yes to the gifts that are coming out of them in full measure and on display. And we believe what is next, what is coming is a kingdom display. <laughs> 
on display the power and the glory of God through their lives and through us as a church so that others can see who Jesus truly is. Lord, help us to be that family, that church, that group of people that follows Jesus in line with what you're doing in Zach and Rachel. We thank you for them and we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good. Yeah, thank God for them. So, um, so we've been in this series called NUMA. We launched it last week. And I'm going to talk about what that word means here in a few minutes. But I'll just start with this. Um, when I was a little kid, my mom cooked hamburger all the time. She wasn't a good cook. She's not here this morning, so I can talk honestly. She was a sweet mom, but she didn't know, she didn't really get the cooking gene from her mom. And so, um, so she would, like I had hamburger a lot. And, and one day she brought home this thing, brand new, it was incredible. Hamburger helper. Do you, any of you, some of you are old enough to remember hamburger helper. I mean, I think it still exists, right? I just, I just haven't seen it in a while. I think we've got hamburger helper. Here's, here's the weird part. It, it has all these, it, they, were, they were started, I looked it up. It's, they started in 1971, right? And, and that was when I was a kid. And it's Betty Crocker brand. And, and they have all, this, uh, all these products that they started developing. So not only were they trying to help hamburger they were trying to help tuna. How many of you know tuna needs some more help than hamburger? They started developing tuna helper, chicken helper, Asian helper, pork helper, cheesy taco helper. Like, who knew? Like, I looked all this stuff up. I was like, I didn't know this. My mom never got me cheesy taco helper. Philly cheesesteak helper, bacon cheese hamburger helper, whole grain helper. The options included lemon and herb chicken, cheeseburger mac, and beef stroganoff. And here is just crazy. They had something called fruit helper. Does fruit need help? I mean, come on. Dessert products made with canned or fresh fruit is what it was. Discontinued for obvious reasons. Now... What I want to say about the Holy Spirit today is that he is a helper. But I don't want you to misunderstand. He is not an add-on. He's not an extra. He's not a side dish or a side order or a secret menu item for those who know. He is a helper for our lives, and he is a person that we develop a relationship with. And as we develop this relationship with him, we find that our lives get better. The Holy Spirit is the helper who makes our lives better. Everybody say better. better. Look at how John records the words of Jesus in John 16, 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, Jesus says that it's to the disciples' advantage that he leaves, that he goes away. He said, it's better for you if I'm gone. 
Now, if you, you see this through the lens of the disciples, you're like, huh? Like the disciples saw all these miracles. They saw blind eyes open. They saw deaf ears hearing. They saw people raised from the dead. They saw a man's hand who, that was withered just become healthy again. I mean, they'd seen all this stuff, and Jesus was their discipler. He was their rabbi. He was the one that they were following. And he's like, it's going to be better for you if I leave. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense to the way they're thinking about this thing they're involved in. And I think the same thing happens to us sometimes. Like we feel like, like, like in their minds, they're like, Jesus, you can't leave. This is, no, that's not going to happen. In fact, one, in one setting, Jesus says, I'm going to be, I'm going to be crucified. The religious leader is going to put me to death. And don't worry, I'll, I'll rise again in three days. And Peter pipes up, you know, Peter, he's that guy. And he's always like, he, he's always saying exactly what he thinks. And he says to Jesus, no, this cannot be. This is not how it's going to happen. And Jesus actually in that Setting says, get behind me, Satan. You know it's a bad day when Jesus calls you Satan. But Jesus is explaining the advantage that the Holy Spirit is to you and me. And last week we talked a little bit about how he's a, a bit of a mystery. You know, it's a, he's a bit of, a, of an enigma. Because we understand Father, we understand Son, we get those concepts, but then the Holy Spirit is a little strange. But here's what I want you to hear. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is the promise of better. The Holy Spirit is the promise of better. I mean, let's face it, life is hard. All of us have been through a couple of really hard years. Difficulties, frustrations that multiply. Sometimes the abundant and full life that Jesus actually has offered seems elusive. You know, we have to really embrace the idea that we have a helper, a healer, a person, a presence that changes everything about how we live. And it's deeply personal. It's a meaningful relationship. And for the Christian, for the person who follows Jesus, the Holy Spirit is indispensable. Can you say that word with me? indispensable. It's the subtitle to this series, The Indispensable Role of the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, we can't conquer our sins. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't truly love others. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't survive persecution or really live like Jesus at all. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't even be born again. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus one of the religious leaders is trying to figure out who Jesus is in John 3, 5 through 8. He says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can produce, can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It is something that is supernatural. It is a little bit mysterious, which is why we tend to not develop a 
more close and personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. But it is my goal, it is our goal, as we teach through this series, that the Holy Spirit will become your closest friend. You understand that we follow Jesus, and we follow his teaching, and we even are conformed to his image. He lives in us, but how does he do it? By the Spirit. None of us have a little pet Jesus that we hide in our heart. Like, like it's just, Jesus, oh, Jesus is so cute. I just like Jesus. He gets in my heart, makes me feel better. No. The Jesus I know has eyes of fire and power beyond measure. And that person wants to live inside of you, but how does he do it? He does it supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. He's living within us. That word spirit in this passage is the Greek word pneuma. It means breath or wind. The work of the spirit or pneuma is invisible and mysterious like the blowing of the wind, also the word pneuma, right? So John is saying something. Jesus is saying something here. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is the very breath and wind of God which moves in and through our lives. And I want you to go, go back and listen. If you want to hear more about that and you missed it, go back and listen to the podcast of Zach sharing that. But the reality is, here's what I want you to get in this series. Humans were never intended to live without the Holy Spirit. Humans were never intended to live without the Holy Spirit. Look at this from the story of creation in Genesis 2-7. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. There's something that we see when we think about Adam being created, like he was being given CPR from God, you know? He's breathing into his mouth and giving him oxygen. But that's not what was happening there. How do I know that? Well, a few verses later, it says if Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they'll die. And sure enough, in chapter 3 of Genesis, they take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They, they choose their own way rather than God's way. They choose life on their own terms rather than God's terms. They choose the knowledge of good and evil as a way to be godly. That's the temptation, by the way. We all succumb to it from time to time. We live in a Western, prosperous world in America, and information is how we think we get more godly. It's not true. There's something else that we've got to tap into. We've got, we've got to understand how God changes us and molds us and shapes us and transforms us. And it's not just through information. I'm not saying information is bad, but it is not the way, the knowledge of right and wrong. Everybody thinks they have that figured out. Have you listened to cable news lately? Everybody thinks they know what's right and wrong. That's not the way it works. Adam and Eve chose right and wrong for themselves, what they thought was right and wrong. The tree that God said, don't eat from that. It's not going to be helpful to you. You can eat from the tree of life, and you can eat from any other tree, but not this tree. They chose it, and they died. What's weird is they were still breathing. They were like dead people walking around. Everything spirals out of control in Genesis. And by Genesis 6, you have this little verse that says, every thought of every human was only evil all the time. 
Without the Holy Spirit, things spiral out of control fast. I want you to see that, I want you to see that God was breathing the breath of life, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit life was coming into Adam. And then when he rejected God's way, he died inside, which is why they were shameful. Suddenly they were full of shame, full of their own nakedness, and they started hurting one another. They started victimizing each other. They, 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 just things went terrible. They went off the rails. We see it every day, people trying to fill their lives with stuff to make them feel alive. Adventure, drugs, drinking, sex, any number of things that will just something to make me feel alive inside. Everybody's trying to get it. I'm telling you, you have the answer. You have the solution. He's called the helper in the scriptures. He's called the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. He comes to dwell inside of you. And that's how we're born again. In fact, if you think about it, so Adam dies. Adam and Eve, they die inside. And all the Old Testament is about God's spirit coming upon people. And then finally, Jesus comes and he brings a gift. He's the first human since Adam. Paul calls him the second Adam. And he is filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, what happens is he dies, takes on the sins of all humanity because he's the only one who could, who could stand in our place to take what we deserved. And he took it upon himself. He gets, he, he dies, he goes into the grave. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit, you do realize it's the Holy Spirit that raised him to life, right? Jesus didn't like just wake up. Like, like God's Spirit raised him from the dead, which is why Romans 8, 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Holy Spirit, life is indispensable for every human. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. I mean, there's so much wacky spirituality in our day, isn't there? People are dabbling with all kinds of stuff and they think it's awesome and they're carrying crystals in their pockets thinking that's what's going to make the difference. No offense to you if you brought crystals in your pocket this morning, but I, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you the creator who made those crystals, whose vibrations are living in those crystals, he's the one we have to recognize. We can't assign the wrong spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that we're looking for, but we tend not to believe this. We tend to try all kinds of fads and gimmicks and technology and equipment to try to change ourselves. But without a rooted spiritual connectedness to God and his kingdom through the spirit, we fail. Or sometimes we succeed and the consequences of that are self-reliance and pride, which are even worse. I got this. Here's how A.W. Tozer put it. He said, we may as well face it. The whole world, the whole level of spirituality among us is low. We've measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live like that. I, I don't, I don't want to have an empty, 
lifeless church where we kind of go through the motions Sunday to Sunday. I want to have a group of people that I belong to that resonate and vibrate with the Holy Spirit, that they can hear his voice and they're acting on, on his behalf and, they're, and he's working through you and me as part of what we're doing in this world. And think about it. The problem is we fill our lives up with all this other stuff and we kind of crowd out the one who can help us. Think about what's on your mind right now. You came to church thinking about finances, thinking about anxiety, thinking about work, thinking about kids, thinking about failures, thinking about fears, <laughs> thinking about wrong relationships. We spend so much energy sometimes on politics or recreation or entertainment instead of, instead of where we should put our attention, put our focus on the spirit of God that lives in us. Accumulating more stuff doesn't work. Frankly, working it out on our own doesn't work either. We're crowding out the very person who can help us. Look at how the Apostle John records Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everybody say all things. Does that leave anything out? No. Oh, some of you aren't sure. Yeah. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I'm so grateful for this verse. You know why? Because Jesus said a lot of things. Do you ever forget what Jesus said? I do. I have the Holy Spirit, though, who can bring what he said to my remembrance. Verse 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is saying to the disciples, there is a helper. The Holy Spirit wants to help you navigate this life. He wants to help you with what goes on in your mind, in your will, your emotions, your relationships, your workplace, your finances. Stop living your life between your ears. This is our problem. We think if we could just get the information, we got it solved. So we look to Google instead of God first. That's really what we do. Right, if I wanna figure something out, I just, I just Google it. What if we, instead of that, we would think, Holy Spirit, you have the answer here, would you direct my steps? Now he might direct you to Google. <laughs> and that would be okay, that's fine. That's fine, it's not like Google's the great enemy or the great Satan or anything. Well, it could be, but that's another sermon. So you, so you understand, he, he can direct you, but if that could be our first response instead of our last, that's what Jesus, you want peace? You want peace between your ears? Peace in your mind, peace in your soul? You gotta get in touch with the person of the Holy Spirit who's come to help you. You wanna get rid of anxiety, worry, fear, frustration, apprehension, anger? The Holy Spirit is our helper and really the only one who can help you. The ESV, which we're reading out of, that's a translation, calls it helper, but other translations use the word comforter or counselor or advocate. And these all come from this root word, parakletos, which is, means called to one's aid. Para, which means from close behind, and kaleo, which means make a call. I love this. Properly, what it means is a legal advocate, 
a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because they are close enough to the situation. I love that idea. Like God's making the calls in our lives. Like, because he knows what's needed. Parakletos, which is the, the whole word, it means adv advocate, advisor, helper. And it's the regular term in the New Testament of an attorney. New Testament times, during Jesus' time and Paul's time, this is a word for an attorney or a lawyer. In other words, someone giving evidence that stands up in court. It's that strong. Even through cross-examination, it still lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who is close enough to your situation to give you the right advice, to make the right judgment call. He is our advocate, our counselor, our helper. And then the next few verses, I just want to peel back kind of the layers of this. We started in John 16. We're just going to continue down in verse 8. Here's what it says. And when he comes, Jesus says, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And then he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Oh, so much to unpack. At least three sermons in there. So let's try to, let's try to just get one out of it. All right. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us accept, believe, and embrace all that Jesus has done for us. That's his primary thing. So Jesus is describing his work here. He says, I'm, I, the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What does that mean? How does that work? So here's three big helps that I want you to take away today. Three big helps of the Holy Spirit. He does so many things so well, but here's the words of Jesus helping us understand his role with us. So number one, the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin to reveal my need for Jesus. He convicts me of sin. Look at verse nine. Verse nine says, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. This is the sin of unbelief in the world. Can I tell you the truth? The Holy Spirit is everywhere trying to help people break through that unbelief. He's everywhere waiting. He's waiting for moments where he can pierce through this, this veil of physicality in our world. And he's, he wants you and I to do it. I was sitting with Zach this week. Pastor Zach, we were sitting at a table and, and the waiter came up to us and, and, and Pastor Zach just said, man, um, I think God wants to tell you something. And this, and this kid receives something really cool in that moment. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you, God is wanting us to collaborate with his Holy Spirit to help. Help convict the world and prove that they need Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is doing this, but so many humans they are caught up in the futility of living life on their own terms. Convicting us of our self-sufficiency is what he does. And he doesn't just do that to people who don't know Jesus. He, he actually keeps working on you. <laughs> 
when you come to Jesus because it's so easy to go back to self-sufficiency or belief in ourselves. It is an unbelief in Jesus and our need for him that the Holy Spirit's working on. And this unbelief is the primary sin that makes us stumble. In other words, when we don't believe who Jesus is who he says he is, the Holy Spirit's right there trying to draw us back. Holy Spirit's always pointing to the necessity of Jesus. Even as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is the one who warns us and convicts my conscience. He intermingles with what's going on inside me. Now listen, he never condemns me. He never pushes me away, never pushes me down. He always pulls me up. And that's true for you as well. The Holy Spirit gently, everybody say gently. The Holy Spirit gently convicts me when I wander into believing that I can do it on my own or when I begin to doubt that Jesus is enough to take away my sinfulness. When I, or when I stop, simply stop believing what he said, the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin to reveal my need for Jesus. Number two, the second big way that the Holy Spirit helps me is the Holy Spirit convinces me that I am righteous because of Jesus. This is, he said, because of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You peel back the layers of those three words. Verse 10 says, concerning righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you'll see me no longer. What he's doing is he's giving them a hint of what's happening here. They don't quite get it. In fact, it's so funny. If you read the story in the Bible of the disciples, they don't really get it until the Holy Spirit comes. That's when they get the full picture. When the helper comes, that's when they see it, which is why we need him so much in our life. But look, the Holy Spirit helps all believers everywhere understand that we are in right standing with God only through Jesus, not through works, not through stuff we can do, not because we're good Christians, not because we do all the right things. No, that you're still living in a flawed body. Make no mistake, Christianity is an inside out prospect. It starts way down deep in the inside with a new creation. And then God begins to work his way out. Sadly, it takes years. <laughs> I'll just tell you that as an older man now, I'm like, it seems like I should be better than I am. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that convinces me, even though I begin to self-doubt, that I can stand tall and firm and secure in the righteousness that Jesus has for me. Jesus makes me righteous, not me. And when I embrace that, when I embrace that Holy Spirit Roll, then when I fail or when I fall down or when I, I make a mistake and be, become foolish in a moment and I turn back to God, that restoration, that restoring happens to me and the Holy Spirit convinces me that I'm okay because of what Jesus has done. And I embrace that. I embrace the gospel. I am, embrace the truth of Jesus. He's always working. The Holy Spirit's always working to glorify what Jesus has done. In fact, it says it in verse 14, he'll glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Sometimes we need convincing because we have an enemy. And that enemy is the accuser. Hebrews calls him the accuser of brothers and sisters. Satan, Satan, is actually the, the root word there is the opposer. And so we have an enemy that tries to convince us the devil, and he has only one trick, and we fall for it every time. You're no good. You're not enough. 
you're, you're toast. <laughs> Duh, that's why I need Jesus. <sighs> but we never turn it on him like that. We just turn it internally and it becomes this terrible, horrible weight of religion or legalism or something, I gotta do this. Listen, I'm not saying you don't have to work on spiritual disciplines or habits that reinforce what Jesus has done. You do, we do. But you gotta get this down first, that Jesus is your righteousness. That this is the good news. It's nothing that you can do to make yourself righteous. You stand in his righteousness and that's what the Holy Spirit convinces us of. And then finally, the third help of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit connects us to the authority of Christ, for Satan is defeated. Notice what he said. He said, I, the whole, yeah, so the, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What's, what's this judgment about? Verse 11 says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. You guys, you guys, the ruler of this world is judged. What that means, we, Ephesians 2, 2 says that uh, sometimes we followed, in our past, we followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's Ephesians 2, 2. Satan has been sentenced, according to Jesus, and his fate is now sealed. He's the loser. What did Jesus say on the cross? What did he say when he was about to give everything up? He said, it is finished. Not only is that true, but Jesus' authority, not only did Jesus finish something there, conquered death and the devil himself, but he gave us that authority. He gave us his authority. Jesus has authority he wants you to have. The and what that means is the enemy's power is now limited in this space that we live in. He doesn't have all power. He may be the ruler of this world, but I know the ruler of the universe. <laughs> you, see, you see, Jesus is trying to help us and the disciples here understand how the Holy Spirit works. Verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. <laughs> Jesus is like, listen, there's a whole story here, and if I unloaded this on you, your brains would explode. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what he's saying. He's like, he's like I, there's so much coming. The miracles that are coming, the power that's coming through you, the success you're going to have in the way that you bring the kingdom into the planet in this time but also the disappointments and the challenges and finally the martyrdom that came for every one of those disciples. He couldn't tell them. He couldn't explain it all to them. But what he did say is, I'm gonna give you the spirit who's gonna lead you and guide you into all the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and his spirit guides us. Verse 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak, he will not Sorry, for he will not speak on his own authority. Check this out. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Do you know if you have the Holy Spirit, you can kind of, like, you have this helper who helps you anticipate what's coming. You may not be able to see it all. You may not be able to understand it all, but the Spirit of truth is guiding you along if you'll pay attention if you'll be attentive, if you'll cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
It says uh, here in verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare to you all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take, now check this out, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What does he say? He's saying the Holy Spirit will take what is Jesus's, what Jesus's, that's fun to say. He'll take what Jesus has and he'll give it to you. That's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is the way that happens. Jesus is supreme over all creation, according to Colossians. Every other authority in the universe, the one verse says he holds the whole world together. The Father has given the authority to the Son, and the Son now gives the authority to you and me. How does he do it? By his Spirit that lives in us. It's the power for overcoming the enemy. It's power over the enemy. It's for preaching the gospel. The good news. It's for making disciples. Oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds like something else Jesus said. Oh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Band, why don't you guys come up right now? It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is what he's saying. I'm giving you my authority. Here it is. Carry it. Satan is defeated. You don't have to listen to his lies. He's got one lie. Did God really say that? Started in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? Starts with doubt, ends with all out, right, right, full on, full blown lies, and then and then he's he's like, yeah, you're never gonna make it. That's it. That's all he's got. He just finds multiple ways to use it on you. I want to challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit for help to stand in the authority that Christ gave you to resist the devil. I want you to quote scripture. I want you to be involved in community. I want you to pray. But I'm telling you, it's the Holy Spirit that helps you get rid of sin, that it convinces you you're righteous in Jesus, and then gives you authority to stand against the ruler of this world because he's judged. And I, I, I think this is where the kind of the rubber meets the road. It's like, okay, Jesus, help me figure this out. Help me do this. Give me your spirit insight. And I want you to notice something here right at, right at the end. When Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, he talks about, he says, he will convict the world concerning sin, judgment, Sorry, can sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, I want you to notice that the work of the Holy Spirit is progressive. Because at first, he's just kind of trying to get you to figure out you can't do it on your own. But then he moves in your life, not just to convict you of sin, but to convince you you're righteous. Even when you do sin, you have a, a person, a mediator, the Bible calls him, his name is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is trying to help you remember, you can be righteous. Turn to Jesus. Turn back to Jesus. And then he progresses a little further. He says, all right, don't, I don't want you to be consumed with thinking about your sin. And I don't want you just to be consumed in trying to convince yourself that you're righteous. Now I want you to carry authority into the world. I want you to carry authority into other people's lives. I want you to carry authority in your own life to say no to the devil's schemes. You can do this, but not by yourself. You need the helper.
you need the helper. So we're gonna worship here at the end. Right here, we're gonna, I just want you to be, we're gonna sing this song again. And some of you just need to really lean in and we're gonna have communion available. Communion is available here, up here at the front during this song and back here at the back of the room, there's, there's communion elements and you can take them and they're little, you know, pop top communion. But I promise, I promise, all communion only works by faith, whether it's in a golden goblet or a little piece of plastic, okay? So, so take your faith and apply it. The little wafer is the body. The body, it represents the body of Jesus. And the cup represents his blood that was spilled for you and me. And if, if you don't, you're like, communion, I don't understand. If you're here today and you're like, I don't know what's expected of me, don't, don't feel pressured. You don't, you don't have to participate. But if you want to, if you want to receive communion, come to one of these stations, get your communion elements, go back to your seat, and when you're ready, you recognize, you, you, you stop, you pause, you recognize what Jesus has done. And you recognize the power of the Spirit that is at work in you now because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here among us and he wants to live deeply in you and through you. So Father, we just come to this moment and we ask you to help us see it. Forgive us. Forgive us for keeping you at a distance. Forgive us for not leaning into the Holy Spirit. Forgive us for kind of being convinced that we can do it all on our own. Forgive us, Lord for choosing life on our terms instead of your terms. Would you help us now as we come to you? Forgive us, cleanse us, and heal us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together, and when you're ready, come on up and grab some elements, and you can take them on your own.